Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello Serie A fan, Lazio's Vatican visit inspires divine performance and Roma have a week from hell. Juve find themselves in purgatory with a loss and a trophy, but Gianpaolo finally pays for his sins. Meanwhile, Milan pray for a result to pip Inter to the winter crown. We talk about all that and round up the transfers and other Serie A gossip in this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to Scudetto. We are very nearly at the halfway point of the season. Just one more round of games and we'll be crowning the winter champions. Uh, the question is, which club from Milan will it be? And here to address that question and many others this week is Baez Sachs. Baez, how are you getting on? I'm doing very well. How are you doing, Oscar? Yeah, I am all right. Thank you. Uh, Baz, before we get into it, we should highlight you've been doing a, bit, a spot of moonlighting this week, appearing on a different podcast every night, or at least for the last two nights. You were a guest yesterday on Milan Obsession. Yeah, I've lent my considerable vocal talents to uh, some other projects. It, it was actually a really good experience and uh, nice to speak about Milan for a change. And as an aside, some, someone accused me of having a Milan Obsession this week as well. So it was quite funny that I got the call up right after he. Yeah, it's an apt podcast for you to be on. But yeah, for any of our listeners that want to check it out, Boaz and the host Elaine have I'd, I'd describe it as a wide-ranging discussion on all things Milan. So if that's your thing, definitely, definitely check it out. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Baez is let off the leash and just allowed to talk about Milan for an entire podcast. So yeah, our regular listeners will note uh, that Kenny's absent this week. He's just dealing with some family matters. Uh, he should be back in the starting lineup, uh, well, hopefully very soon. So without further ado, let's move on to the beers. Boaz, what have you got for us this week? In fact, you're drinking for all three of us because I'm still not drinking and uh, Kenny's obviously not here. Yeah, so the virtual studio feels a bit empty. So I, I figured um, I'd up the ante since I'm the only one drinking and I got myself a Brewdog Double Punk. It's uh, 8.2%. So I, I think that covers at least two of us. Yeah, I've been banging on about ginger beer um, for a couple of episodes now, but it's absolutely delicious. The Pimento Gingembre spicy ginger i mean if you like ginger beer and you like chilies you're gonna like it check it out i'm very curious about that stuff other ginger beers are available we are not yet sponsored by the this ginger beer manufacturer okay so let's start off with a game we discussed before it was played last week uh the rome derby uh we said that lazio would maybe have divine intervention after having been been blessed by the pope and they ran out three nil winners uh, so perhaps there was something to that. Uh, we need to start to, by just praising Lazio, really, don't we, Baz? They were very impressive. Definitely. And um, in a week where Roma had been on a really good winning streak and were third in the league and Lazio were still behind, I definitely expected a more balanced match. Instead, what we got was a masterclass from Inzaghi, who um, kind of outplayed Fonseca and 
played him at his own game. Overall, their Lazio performance was brilliant all around. Possibly slightly aided by the fact that Roma didn't seem to uh, didn't seem to have uh, showed up on the night. Yeah, the defending was a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? I mean, the tackle for the first goal maybe is a little bit of, of bad fortune there. Like the, the tackle, who I can't was it Ibanez that tried to make the tackle and so Ibanez has been unfortunately getting some death threats since, since this game. But um, I, while I I don't condone sending players death threats, I think he had a shocker. Firstly, he lost the ball that. Uh, led to the first goal and he was also very responsible for the second goal it's quite sad because he was having a pretty good season up until this moment and uh, I mean he just turned off yeah um, maybe won't say what I was was going to uh, (laughs) about his performance I I wasn't aware of that situation but but actually I don't think the responsibility is so much on him as an individual it just seems like Roma still don't really know what their back three is Uh, I mean you've got I guess Smalling uh, Ibanez and Cristante have been the favoured free most of the time, but you've also had Kumbula coming in and out and Fazio. It just seems like the organisation's not quite there. I don't really get the point of dropping uh, Cristante into defence when you signed a, a very good centre back from Verona in the summer, Kumbula, that is, and uh, it doesn't show um, trust in your recruitment. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and and even the goalkeeper, right? I mean, they, they don't seem to be able to make up their minds between Mirante and Paolo Lopez. Paolo Lopez seems to be back in favour. I don't know if Mirante is a slight knock. I'm not sure either, but uh, this is maybe a, a slightly larger discussion. But it, you, it's always strange when a manager decides to sw- pick and swap between his keepers. It's the position where you expect uh, some sort of uh, solidity. And perhaps that shows how much Roma distrust their backline. We were talking, I think it was around October when Milan played uh, Roma and uh, the Mirante had a phenomenal game in that in that match and we thought that Roma had settled on a keeper but Paul Lopez is back in so obviously Fonseca is not convinced by either of his keepers. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I guess we should give the Roma at least um, one positive point, not, not necessarily from this game, but in general they've looked very good in attack. I mean, we've given honourables in recent weeks to Vila, Mkhitaryan, um, obviously, Ed and Jekko. We may have jinxed high up the honourable tables. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, they have they have looked good, and um, yeah, it would be a shame to see Fonseca lose his job, as we we know there've been rumours going around. It's not been the best week for Fonseca. I will get on to it in a second, but the the cup display was pretty abysmal as well. But the rumours going around are that either Sari or Allegri are in the mix. And obviously, Friedkin have uh, the budget to uh, bring in a big-name coach. The question is, can you convince him and would he buy onto the project? Yeah, uh, we'll talk about that cup game. Uh, we should just give an, an honourable mention to Lazio for the goal, shouldn't we? Yeah, it was the the last goal, the third goal, um, was kind of a cherry on the top. But essentially, every single player on the team touched the ball. I think there was 22 passes that led to the goal. And even the the way Luis Alberto finished it, it was a, kind of like a snooker shot. If you're going to win a derby, that's that's the best exclamation mark to put on the final goal. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was on the team's official Twitter, but there was definitely a video doing the rounds on Twitter where as soon as a player touched the ball, like their uh, headshot came up. At the that was a bit busy, screen. wasn't Quite it? Nice. it was a bit, <laughs> some, some social media manager was working overtime. 
a busy infographic, but uh, I quite enjoyed it. At least in full screen, it's, it's pretty good. Maybe not on the phone, it's a little bit cluttered. And uh, since we just mentioned Luis Alberto, I guess it's a good good opportunity to um, wish him all the best. He was rushed into hospital in midweek with a burst appendix. Having scored two goals in the derby, you, he kind of went from one of the most incredible highs ever to being to one of the most incredible lows, and we wish him all the best. Yeah, and you sh- we should just... We've, I mean, we've already spoken about Roma being a shambles for, for quite a long time in the podcast, but we should definitely mention the cup game that they lost to Spezia 4-2. They had also a man sent off. Uh, Mancini got sent off. But perhaps more incredibly, they managed to make an illegal amount of substitutions. Uh, so The fans were expecting some sort of reaction from um, from the team following the derby. And I know there's no fan, there's no fans in the stadium, but this was a home game against a newly promoted side Spezia. I mean, they went two 0 down, and they managed to somehow uh, drag themselves back into the game, and then they just shot themselves in the foot. There was uh, two red cards within the space of a minute, and um, then the, what you mentioned, the, Fonseca made his sixth sub with seemingly everyone oblivious to it, except for Pellegrini, who was kept saying on the pitch, "Hey." That's our sixth sub. That's our sixth sub. But no one was listening to him. So, I mean, I, I know that the the guy who uh, is in charge of the liaison between the players and the team has been fired over this. And now there's a whole uh, hoo-ha in the capital about uh, that the players want him back because he's a very popular character. And obviously, I mean, this is it would it's quite a funny story. But if you consider that um, Roma also managed to cock up their team sheet on the first day of the season against Verona. This is this, for the same club to make um, clerical errors twice is just ridiculous. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. That was really shocking, wasn't it? And um, yeah, I mean, you think like they've, they've got this new owner is going to kind of professionalize the structure and <laughs> bring in proper accounting policies and all that kind of thing. It's uh, yeah, just disappointing, definite dishonorable to, I'm not really sure, it's just to the club in general, I think. I'm happy to give them a dishonorable because it, it's, it's been a horrible week. And um, I mean, as we said, Fonseca's job is currently in peril. Um, the new sporting director they brought in is also Portuguese. So I guess that plays in his favor. By all accounts, right now, um, the owners uh, want to keep Fonseca around. But one more of these resu- shock results and, you know, I'd be worried if I was him. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, let's take a positive from that game, though, shall we? Because there was an absolutely lovely goal scored by Spezia's uh, Ricardo Saponara. Yeah, he's a kind of a, a journeyman and someone who's all Serie A fans will recognize. He should have been the Serie B's caca. They, were, they mentioned him and Milan signed him, didn't really make it. He also played for Fiorentina. Never really showed his full talent, but uh, as that, I, I suggest people check out his goal because um, when he turns it on, he's a bit of a magician. And I should say that um, because Roma made the sixth sub, technically Spezia could have asked for the game to be um, to be one three nil. But obviously, they preferred to keep the four two result, which is a lot better for their history. Yeah, and uh, a lovely goal. Do, do check it out. Right, we need to move on. Let's talk about the other game that we previewed on the last pod. So that was into Juve, into obviously coming out 2-0 winners. I mean, clearly it's a, a pretty big result in terms of the title race, isn't it? I was personally a little bit disappointed by that actual game. I don't know what you made of it, Buzz. It wasn't the best of spectacles, but perhaps this is down to the fact that Juventus never really showed up. I'm still waiting for them to, be, to get to San Siro. Um, there was a surprising lack of uh, bite 
or a will to win in the team. And I also think uh, Pirlo's team selection, which was partly um, affected by injuries and COVID, but still team selection kind of played into Conte and Inter's hands. Yeah, I saw Pirlo's uh, comments after the game seemed to be kind of laying laying the blame at the feet of the players, didn't he? He was, was saying things like, oh, when the players aren't hungry or when they don't win the duels, there's nothing I can do. Which I always think when I'm... I mean, maybe it's true, but when a manager comes out and says that, you kind of think <laughs> maybe you ought to be doing a bit more. It's it's kind of weird because when, um, when you listen to Pirlo talking, it sounds like he's been a manager for many, many years in the sense that every single quote he gives is that typical uh, manager quote that you... You know, the copy-paste quote... <laughs> he never slips out of line, which I guess is part of the Juventus style, and it, it's it's good that he's a uh, very he sticks to his line. But at the same time, as you said, kind of the, the team was very um, quiet, and you expect maybe he could make some changes from the bench, like he did in the Milan game. Yeah, maybe that's what you learn when you do your Italian coaching badges. <laughs> you get a big book of football cliches. <laughs> yeah. If you lose two one, this is what you say. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, sort of broader picture and, and the kind of narrative for Juve, obviously, we thought maybe they were done in the title race and they beat Milan, they're kind of back in it. What do we think now? I, I, I kind of get the feeling that we're at the point where kind of Juve, Roma and Atalanta are sort of out of the title race and it's it's shaping up to be between the two Milan sides and Napoli. The way this season is going, I, I wouldn't uh, discount these clubs, particularly Juventus, just now. But definitely this is a big step in uh, moving the title away from Turin. And it, at the moment, it looks like it will be in Milan. I don't know which club. As we, as you said, it's it's a... And this touches on something that Kenny mentioned last episode, or that it's a very roller coaster season. And one week you're, you're beating someone in, at San Siro, Milan in this case... The next week you're kind of struggling. It's it's not clear if this is down to the calendar, if it's down to Pirlo being a very new manager, or just the fact that um, maybe Juventus has have uh, pushed this group of players as far as they can go, and and it's time for a real rejuvenation. Yeah, and actually, did just before we uh, we move on, I do want to give a kind of honourable to Barella. Um, we said that um, Inter didn't really do anything different, but actually, um, as you highlighted, Barella was played a bit further forward. Uh, he had a very good game, kind of linking up with Lukaku. And actually, I thought kind of a position that Christian Eriksen used to like to play at Tottenham, kind of off the striker. So um, obviously, there is, there is space for for that position. Conte said he doesn't have doesn't have a, a trequartista. <laughs> yeah. Touching on Barella, we I think we in the first international break that we had since we've been doing the podcast. And uh, around the time that Milan signed Tonali, I think we said that um, Barella was probably the the best uh, Italian prospect out there. And the the stuff he's been doing since his transfer from Cagliari has just been phenomenal. And even though he plays for my bitter rivals, I look forward to whatever he will do with his career for the next 10 years. Um, yeah. So, oh, actually, one more thing we should say on Juve as well, um, just because obviously we've been saying how Pirlo is really underperforming. He did just win his first uh, managerial trophy, the, uh, the Italian Super Cup. They beat Napoli 2 0 in the final last night, as we record. But it's just, I mean, I'm obviously uh, primarily a Premier League fan, and I know a lot of our listeners uh, follow that league as well. Just for those for those of us that that do, uh, could you do people in Italy care more about this than we care about the Charity Shield? I think that the Charity Shield is a very apt comparison. I think that the club that wins it 
will always be happy because winning a trophy is always good. But in general, I don't think uh, fans of other clubs particularly care, especially now with the format that it was. it's supposed to be in Saudi Arabia. I mean, this week it was played in Reggio Emilia in Italy because of COVID, but Serie A signed a deal with um, to have this final played for the next three or four seasons in the UAE. So, you know, it's kind of, um, or Saudi Arabia, sorry. Not sure about my geography, but somewhere in that area. Not the first time those two countries have been confused on that po- on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Okay, what else? Oh, we should quickly mention uh, that um, Marco Giampaolo has been sacked by Torino. Giampaolo, it's quite funny because um, Giampaolo's Torino played Spezia in the, on the weekend and Spezia were down to 10 men from about the fifth minute and Torino mustered two shots on target, both of which were in the extra time of the second half and added time. So, and Giampaolo was giving it all that in the post-match. Of course, my job is secure. And even um, Torino's uh, owner, Cairo, was saying, uh, yeah, we, we're sure that um, Giampaolo is going to stick around. And of course, um, a few hours later, it was announced that he'd been relieved from his role. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. And they, uh, they brought in uh, Davide Nicola, who last year managed to save uh, Genoa from uh, relegation. So kind of a rele- non-relegation specialist, so to speak. He also did some great things uh, with Crotone. And he's a former Turin p- player. So kind of a nice uh, circle. It's like the Italian big Sam, basically. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> let's let's make a note and we'll think about that. If he does well at Torino, he's the is a likable big Sam. Yeah, good stuff. Um, yeah, so Torino uh, currently 18th, so in relegation position with just 13 points, so not the biggest surprise. And they didn't manage to win a single game in at home in the in the, the whole season so far. Uh, okay, we'll do a quick transfer roundup. Before we do that, uh, we should we touched upon the um, the Super Cup. We should uh, speak about Napoli as well. They destroyed uh, Fiorentina 6-0 in a game that, um, if you look at the XG, Fiorentina weren't that much worse than Napoli, but Napoli just managed to get all their shots on target and they played some great football. On behalf of our good friend Kenneth, um, who's not with us, we want to give an honorable mention to Insigne for a ridiculous pass that was kind of Maradona-esque for one of those goals. And um, it's great to see. Since I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a Scrooge. I'm going to give him a dishonorable mention as well because in the Super Cup yesterday he missed his third penalty against uh, Juventus, and he, the guy's missed four penalties in his whole career. So that means that 75% of the penalties he's missed are against Juventus. Maybe he again, like we spoke about Milan a few weeks ago. Maybe someone else should be taking these pens. <laughs> yeah. He's catching up with Zlatan almost on the number of minutes. And Zlatan took a penalty this week, which I went for Kessie on the pitch, which really was problematic for my heart. He scored it though, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so quick transfer roundup, and then we'll uh, briefly look ahead to the uh, third Scudetto derby this season. So yeah, um, Fiorentina have uh, signed Kokorin, uh, announced via his Instagram. I think he, he said something like, I'm basically a Fiorentina player. I just need to do the medical, right? I mean, it was translated from Russian, but... I'm sure that's not the way um, player announcements <laughs> should happen. I, I, I'm sure, like, probably the best thing to do is to have your medical and have the official team announce it. But this Kokorin is, by all accounts, not a orthodox player. He actually sat in jail for a year for beating uh, someone up. And um, he's also, he's been in trouble various times in the past apparently that's all behind him now and he's he's been doing really well in the russian league and it's i should also add that um when fabio capello was managing russia apparently 
Cochran was his uh, one of his favorite players and one of his one of the guys he'd always call up. So I'm not really sure what Fiorentina are getting with this player, but at the same time, we keep saying that they need someone with experience up front to score goals because their front line was very young and Cutrone has now gone back to Wolves. Yeah, uh, other transfers. We spoke about um, Mandzukic last week. Uh, that's now official. I should say that um, the one of the Italian radios had the the good, the bad, and the ugly theme playing in the background, for, and they were showing. Um, they were saying that Zlatan, Pioli, and Mandzukic were one of these. And you can decide which. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like Pioli is the good, and then you. It's up to you who's the ugly and who's the bad. Yeah. Not sure I'd be calling either of them ugly to their faces. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Arkadius Milic has signed for Marseille. Um, he was a bit of a podcast favourite, despite uh, not playing a game in Serie A since we started this podcast. We have a surprising move. Exactly. This one is an odd one because in the summer we were talking about a possible Roma destination or even Juventus. Um, at some point in the middle of the season, Atletico Madrid were supposedly heavily rumored. Instead, he's moving to Marseille, um, who, in fairness, have shown uh, interest in him throughout this whole period. And we're the only club that were kind of willing to match um, De Laurentiis's, uh his demands. So, unfortunately for players who like, for people who like silky players, uh, Milic will be playing in France and not in Serie A for, for the foreseeable future. Good stuff. Right, we are running out of time, but quick thoughts, Boaz. Um, what should we? What are you looking forward to about the uh, third Scudetto derby, Milan versus Atalanta this weekend? First of all, Milan have to avenge a five-nil defeat around this time last season. Frank Kessi has said that this defeat has uh, kind of motivated Milan to go on this amazing run that they've been on since then. At the time, it it felt like two clubs on very different uh, paths. Fortunately for Milan, Atalanta are slightly stuttering at the moment. And this is the chat where I wish Kenny was here because um, obviously his knowledge of Atalanta is slightly better than mine. I, I was I kind of joked before uh, we recorded that to me, the Hattenberg and Freuler are all pretty interchangeable. I mean, if you showed me pictures of them, I'm not sure I could name them. I know they they play for Atalanta. I'm just not sure which is which. But uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Atalanta's. I, I love the way they play. So... It, I hope for a good game, and um, I think if Milan gets one point, they'll be definitive winter champions. And if they win, obviously, they will be winter champions. But Atalanta can can threaten, and uh, they can definitely get the job done. Yeah, I mean, most of the Scudetto derbies uh, this season have been quite high-scoring, so I think yeah. we'll probably be safe in predicting another high-scoring game. And of course, Kenny is leading that table because he has uh, three points against Euroma, whereas me and you have uh, one point each. I've played one left. points in that very badly officiated game. Definitely. <laughs> uh, okay, good stuff. You know what? We've been peppering the honourables and dishonourables kind of throughout the episode, um, but we do have a couple more. Uh, you want to kick us off with the dishonourable for Salamakas? Yeah, I mean, um, Alexis Salamakas, the Belgian uh, winger from Milan, he just came back from a injury and uh, he was thrown on by Pioli. And the time when Milan have got pretty bad injury crisis and a lot of uh, COVID uh, issues. I should add before we got to Selemakas that Teo Hernandez was given um, he he was given a false positive, so he will be available for Atalanta. Uh, it looked like he was going to be missing it, but it's good to know that uh, he was back. He'll be up against one of those Atalanta fullbacks, either Freud exactly. Or... <laughs> yeah. 
they're good. So they're so good that you can't remember their name because they're going past you so fast. But um, Stanimaker managed to come on in the in the 64th minute, I believe, and uh, got his first booking in the 66th minute, and then managed to get sent off in within eight minutes for a very silly foul. And uh, obviously, he'll miss the Atalanta game, and it's just very silly, dishonorable mention for me. Yeah. And what else do we have? Uh, we've got an, <laughs> an honorable for Lecce fans. This is kind of a funny Serie A story, but Lecce's fans made up a Turkish striker that uh, they were going to sign, and this kind of caught steam, and all the fan sites were writing about this fictional player, I should add. And eventually, the official club account and uh, the team manager posted the pictures with them with, with, uh, with this fake player and announced that they signed him. Um, he's going to wear the 69 shirt, so there you have it. <laughs> Um, did you say he was Turkish, the made-up striker? Yeah. On the topic of uh, Turkish football, do you want to give it <laughs> dishonorable? Yeah, I mean, oh, there was uh, Besak Şehir, the Turkish champions, I believe. They signed um, a Milan defender, Duarte, who isn't particularly good. So, I mean, he, he his uh, spell at Milan was uh, full of injuries, and he only played about six games. But when he did play, he was, seemed like a bit of a liability. But anyway, because his first name is Leonardo, they had him dress up as a, as Leonardo the Ninja Turtle. And they also signed a player called Rafa. And so he was Rafael. And it's just ridiculous. And it's it's such a tenuous link. And I think, as I, sa- as I said on another podcast, come back to me when you manage to sign a player called Michelangelo and a player called Donatello, then I'll be impressed. Yeah. And another honorable from a, a game that we're not going to get to, Sam beat uh, Udinese 2-1 and you wanted to give Tori Grossa an, an honourable. Tori Grossa was signed from uh, Serie B's Brescia um, four days before this game and uh, he got his debut goal which was also the winner against Udinese. So um, I think that deserves an honourable for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, and one more dishonourable for this is for Capo Plaza. Capo Plaza is a, a leading uh, hip-hop star in Italy and uh, he's actually about to drop his new album in the next 24 hours. But uh, his uh, his uh, video clip for his latest song, Allenamento Quattro, was uh, basically him and his mates uh, messing around in San Siro. And to be honest, it gave me major FOMO. I, I want to be in that stadium. But also, it's kind of annoying that this guy is prancing about in San Siro when most people can't get into the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, definitely looking forward to the time we can be back. Yep. I was going to say, we, we didn't get to this in the transfer roundup, so uh, do you want to... Yeah, I mean, um, this is quite a curious one, but um, Milan should be signing uh, Chelsea defender Tomori in the next uh, few days. He will be the first British player to sign for a European club and not be an EU player since Brexit. So uh, one of those things, crazy. Yeah, and uh, on that note, that definitely is all we've got time for. I think we did pretty well there without Kenny Bird. Yeah, um, maybe we so, don't need him. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have to compete for his place in the starting lineup next next week. It felt like we were down, like Spezia, we were down to 10 men from the, the fifth minute of the game, let, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, our managers change the goalkeeper every week. All right, yeah, thanks. That definitely is all we've got time for. We will speak to you next week, hopefully with, with Kenny alongside us. Until then, please, if you don't already, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify wherever you get your audio. Um, speak to you next week. Enjoy the football. Milan in
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.